Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, wherever you're tuning in. We are Slava and Jonathan, bringing you the SideQuest Podcast, where we talk about character development, stories, and all things that are world-building. And we occasionally take side quests, because, frankly, that's how conversations work. Just as a reminder, this whole show is spoiler-heavy. So, sit back, tune in, and join us on this episode of SideQuest. Alright, Snowcrab McGee, how you doing this week? I am doing well, Jonathan Stormblessed. <laughs> I got I got no insult to you. You for you, you? Yeah, you had or a little to you to gift to you. Well, today's the day that I've been looking forward to for a long time. But I'm gonna say that again in episode ten. So but I get to say it right now because we're here. We've hit the Sanderlanch. We have arrived. We have arrived at the Sanderlanch. Although I'll say it in the beginning, so just to get everybody salty right away. Not the avalanche I was expecting. This is more this is more like a midwestern early winter snowfall that might get school canceled, but I wouldn't call this an avalanche. And I only say that because after I was done reading it, I didn't even text you and I was like, that was it? That was the that was the avalanche? Because I had read a little bit ahead and I was thoroughly hooked by seventy one and seventy two. Then I finished the book because I couldn't stop. I was so much into what was going on in the last chapters. <laughs> well, fair enough. Fair That's enough. not to say I didn't enjoy right. 64 through 69. I thought it was, again, broken record Slava here. I thought it was well-paced because... Yep. The pacing is Sanders, phenomenal. I thought it was phenomenal. 64 through 69 is very well-paced. It sets up what I think we will be seeing in book two and three really well, even though I don't know what's coming there. But based on our conversations about it, the little bit I know, just because of my exploration of the Cosmere, which is very little, um, I wouldn't be able to give you a plot summary or even the beginning of a plot for either book. You also but I think whatever's memes. coming, I looked at some memes, but, but whatever, not looking for memes, but memes came across my way anyway, mm-hmm. looking at 64 and 69, reading it. I think it sets up the reader for a lot. Yeah, four more books that are longer than this book. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. I I bought two of them <laughs> and I looked at the page count. And I was like, oh wow. Um, but you bought Oathbringer also. Yeah, it was on sale, and so I was oh, like, nice. oh nice. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. for on Amazon you can buy the Kindle book, which is what I bought, and then for like a couple of bucks you can buy the audio narration. I was like, that's what I'm doing. So I think both books and both audio narrations. So audio books. Nice. Uh, cost me like 20 bucks, 22 bucks. Oh, that's super nice. Yeah. So anyway, so I feel confident after reading 64 and 69, even before I texted you and said, eh, that this was a great setup for what's coming. I also think you said, eh, just to dig at me. Just a little no, bit. I, no. Maybe a little bit subconsciously. I think, I think uh, at minimum subconsciously. At minimum. But, well, not at minimum. <laughs> at maximum, because I wasn't trying to dig at you. <laughs> But whatever it is, what it is like. You know, there's a there's a interesting Russian saying: you can't make friends on tastes and colors or preferences and colors. That's a very bad translation of it. So, like, run you it, might love run it, run it in your your native language. You probably said something bad about my mom. I didn't. Um, <laughs> but what am I saying? Oh, this is what I'm saying. So you could have loved 64 through 69, and I could have went eh. It doesn't take away from right. me enjoying it. It's right. just b- both of our perspectives, like of it, based on our preferences and tastes and outlooks. You maybe many other reasons are like, ah, this is awesome, and I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I get was I get what's going on here, and I think it's a great setup. But yeah, yeah. When you when you kept repeating, get ready for the Sander Lanch. I was like, all right, this is gonna be like. All out insanity, and I was like, "Oh no, I get it. That's cool. A lot of cool things happen. Very cool things happen, uh, you know." And the, the how Sanderson describes the war and the betrayal, and Calden saving Dalinar, all of that is great. But I'm like, "Oh, okay, I, I get it. I understand why this is happening." And maybe I'm just, you know, old and cynical. I'm not trying to be about it because there's nothing that I'm not pleased about these chapters. I really like them, but. The avalanche for me came in 70 to 75. So let's just pause for a second. 
Do you have anything from your week to share with the crowd? Oh, sure. Why not? Let, let's uh, let's just side quest on that. Yeah, I wasn't going to dive in that quick. I was just making a couple of comments, but uh, I mean, we kind of already started. So just give us a quick synopsis. Finally, over the cold, went back to the office this week. Um, I only have to be in the office two days, but I went back this week for the first time in two. It was good. Got some meetings. Wednesday was a funny day. Normally, there's no meetings on Wednesdays for me. And out of the last 17 Wednesdays, 18 Wednesdays that I've been at this job, maybe more. Now it's been eight months. So eight times four, 32 Wednesdays. Um, so out of the last 32 Wednesdays, I think three have had meetings. And two of those days I knew in advance that's going to be an off Wednesday. Mm-hmm. This Wednesday, I come in. My first day back, like no meetings. I get to catch up on everything that fell behind because I wasn't in the office. 9.30, a meeting a meeting scheduled for 12. 10.30, a meeting scheduled for 1 o'clock. By 12, I had two meetings scheduled for 2 and 3.30. And everything got done that needed to be done except the catching up part. Nice. So that's neither a complaint or a highlight. It's just is it's the, the only thing that those that, that is what it is yeah it is what it is and it's the only thing that was kind of out of whack for the week other than that it was a pretty slow week because even though i was sick i didn't fall that far behind because i worked and the only things i had to catch up on was missing the in office days mm-hmm. that was your week not bad by any means i uh i work at a startup so you know some some days it's 10 hour days some days it's 12 hour days some days well, that's that's kind of like every day, right? So yeah, it's not a bad thing. I like what I do. I like the people I work with. I like the the mission we're after. But yeah, we just had our conference last week. I thought it was going to slow down a little bit, but we still have a bunch of follow up stuff to do. So I'm hoping that if we can wrap up this week, then I can get back to a normal like nine to five next week. Try and get out of my really worthwhile college education that's been haunting me for 15 years my student loan debt so you know that served me uh served me well just like everyone else's they go to school for their dance theory degree and then wonder why they can't get a job yep we don't have to side quest on this we don't but it's all true and no job at the end of the degree don't get the degree that's the short take short take how the pups the pups well the pups are the same i have the puppy girl roxy who's my girl Mm -hmm. she's her usual psycho self and then we have the boy, and I think I mentioned this to you, but we got him early last year to kind of keep the psycho uh, uh, company, and he automatically like fell in love with me. He was my guy, right? And so now we have two dogs that are choosing me as their human, as it's called sometimes. And then the boy ran away. He was very anxious because he came from across the pond, and the first couple of weeks... Like, he was attached to me. But then he got off the leash, and that was it. Like, something spooked him. He bolted off the leash. Then we found him, and he was okay. And then he bolted again, uh, like, a month later. But then he came back home. And after that second escape, he just has been avoiding me. If if I have to feed him or I have to walk him, he comes to me. But he's not a fan of me anymore you could just tell by his demeanor and you know and now he's attached himself to my wife so that's how my pups are weird they're yeah but that's what you get when you do rescues uh you get a little bit of baggage of the pups because they're both my both of my dogs are street rescues and it just comes with extra i call it baggage issues sure but, but the weird part to me is like he was fine oh yeah Something about the big bad streets. Yeah, if I was napping him. on the couch, he would come and nap with me. And now, only if I call him to walk, will he even come near me. Like he's not showing any signs of aggression, but he is very timid around me. All of a sudden, put him in Bridge Four. Caledon will fix him. That's right. Put him to work. <laughs> Get him carrying a bridge. Yeah. Or hanging out with Lopin. Yeah, there you go. Lopin will make him happy. All right, Goncho. Keep him away from rock. Might make stew out of him. <laughs> oh boy, I I think I'd be more worried about the Parshendi, but 
less rock and, and more the park shendy. Do they not like animals? Uh, we don't know. But I just they're the this first book they're they're written uh to be barbarians, so you know, I'm not gonna give a dog to a barbarian. This is true. This is true. All right, kick us off. Well, um where do we want to start? Dalnar and Aladdin? I think that works. You wanna you wanna give us a run through of um what took place last time? Sure. So, Dalinar and Avani, they continue to see each other in secret. He's finally grown a pair. Dalinar and Sadius run a dual assault, and Sadius betrays Dalinar. He leaves him fighting the Prashendi, knowing or seeing that the, uh, another wave of Prashendi is coming from the other side. He pieces out and decides to lie to his family, Dalinar's family, that is, and the rest of the war camp that, oh yeah, I saw Dalinar fall, and I couldn't help him. Too bad for Dalinar. How sad. This is why <laughs> we shouldn't have this is why we shouldn't have run the assault together. And I saw them tearing his arms and limbs and dragging them away from his body. It's like, it's kind of gruesome, Sadius. It also is a real bad look when he walks back into camp. We'll get there, though. We'll get there. Kaladin rescues him. Kaladin finally, after all these weeks, has a chance to run away with Bridge 4, pretty uh-huh. much, scot-free. Get scot away scot-free. Free. And he doesn't because he has some, some sense of honor, a little bit. Kaladin doesn't have some sense of honor. Kaladin is honor. Well, well yeah. That's not I'm true. Being, um, I'm being facetious. Yeah. But Kaladin, and that's why Kaladin and Dalinar have such a a unique bond because throughout the whole story we're seeing both of them live by honor. Yeah. My note says here that finally, you know, they share a moment and I said light eyes and dark eyes can both have honor and they are now both bound, these two. So let's see what else do we have going on. Well Kaladin is infused with stormlight when he saves uh when he saves Dalinar and his men. But he goes but, all out Okay, don't 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 skip over that part. There's there's a reason he's uh, he's in, infused with stormlight. What what happened there? Well, he is told by Syl to say the words, and yes. the words are, "I will protect those who cannot protect themselves." Yes. So he begins to change into. I don't know into what, but on you know into his next self. Something yeah, awkward something way of saying new. it. It's an awkward way of saying it, but yep, he fights and he fights well, and he fights another shard bearer, mm-hmm. and he is taken aback, surprised. I guess that's the same thing by the what he perceives as honor from the Prashendi. Because you mentioned yeah. how they're written as savages, but and perceived by the Alethi savages, but it show both Dalinar and Kaladin see a more human side to the Prashendi, a more honorable side of the Prashendi and all this. And so he saves well, he saves uh, uh Dalinar. And before he goes off we have a flashback to Tian's death. Got like a fish. Got like a fish in front of uh, Kaladin's eyes. And then he, we really come back quick out of that flashback. And Syl prods Kaladin to say those words. Kaladin takes charge. He saves the men. And then he takes charge of Dalinar's uh, army for a second because all the light eyes, either being tired and worn out or just confused from the battle, they don't know what the hell they're doing. And he even. Battle fatigue. He even uh, orders around Adeline. Which kind of sits in Adeline's <laughs> bra for a bit, but that's okay. I'm not leaving my dad. Yeah. Well, so your men aren't leaving until you're leaving, so go. I'll get your dad. And Adeline listens, even though later he's all butthurt about it. Begrudgingly. Yeah. So there a lot of like like I said, a lot of interesting stuff happened. It's a very, very well paced section. It's a big action scene. That's why it's I told really you, like, you got to read all five of these chapters together because there's no real stopping. Like, oh, all right, they they just ran at the Parshendi and Kaladin just said another oath. All right, time for bed. Yeah. No, and, I, and I did read it in one uh, fell swoop, in, in one shot. 
I want to slow down on these moments where um, because it is an action scene and this stuff does fly bright. It was a, it was a good summary, but I want to, I want to, I'm going to zoom in here a little bit. So, so before they get on the field, Dalinar is starting to open up to Navani. Finally, even though he's had a lifelong crutch with her, he tells her that he keeps a tight rein on himself, which I think is attributable to honor as a, as an action. Adolin finally gets an appreciation for the visions that his fathers are having because the visions happen to be true because mm-hmm. Navani was able to prove them on his behalf, which is really big. And they go to battle. Another army shows up. We see in an earlier battle that a second army shows up as well when they start doing two. It was one of the first or second Parshendi. I think it was the second one where they ran plateaus together. And before this big scene, we see Kaladin on two different plateau runs. The first one, they're all wearing armor. The second one, they have four guys wearing armor as distractions. They find that to be a useful tactic. Now, what we don't see is them using armor again in this next battle, this big battle that you just described, which I think is interesting. I I think it's been a little bit because I finished the book before you. If I recall, they, they had two bridge runs that day, I think. Does that sound right? That sounds right, but I finished the book a week after you, so we're both a bit behind. Like, yeah. It's been a while since we... Yeah, because I was gone for that week. But there's this moment of betrayal, and I always get really frustrated at Sadius when this happens because it's just like, Adolin was right, and then we zoom in to a moment with Dalinar and Adolin where Adolin has full justification to blame his father for not listening, but he doesn't. He doesn't. What do you think about that? Why why doesn't he do that? I think he, because he could. it's in the midst it's in the midst of battle. And I think he's also realizing that his father was right about everything. His visions are proven true. And we're about to die. Yeah, if Dalinar listened to Ad- Adeline, maybe this wouldn't have happened. And Sadius is a garbage person and has betrayed us. Absolute but garbage. What's the point? What's the point of like ramming it down Delner's throat? Yeah. Or screaming I told you so in the middle of a battle where they're about to die. Yeah, what's the point of I told you so moments before death? You don't get anything from it. No. Yeah. I think it shows it shows us Adolin's maturity, because I think a lot of the book we see Adolin feeling immature a bit. He's like bickering with his dad. He's like, can't hold down a romantic relationship. He does take care of his brother. He does look out for that hooker. But for the most part, it feels like Adolin seems whiny. But in this moment, I feel like we finally get a real look at the man, Adolin, who, who's clearly cut from the same cloth as Dalinar, where he's like, it's not about I told you so. He remembers he's wrong, that his father lived by the codes the whole time, and that is worth so much more than... And I told you so. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So I, I just really love that part. This whole, and you, you said it earlier, but I'm going to reiterate it. The whole Sanderlanch here, when Kaladin is running toward the chasm to bring the bridge, and also the moment when Sadius betrays them, I cry every time. It's just like, it gets me, man. I'm just like, you absolute words that I won't say on the podcast because we're trying to keep it kid-friendly. But I do say those words. Those are the words that I say. Kaladin makes oaths. Those are the words that I say. Because I've been betrayed in life a few times, and, and it just, like, hits home. Yeah, absolutely. And then as we continue going, and then you get him lying to Navani. Yeah, he's... It's just like, you are just... He's dark, real close man. to the line of irredeemable, right? Yeah. Like. And yeah. it's and you know it's literally just the choice he made. Yeah. It's not that he couldn't be irre- he couldn't be redeemable if he made new decisions. It's just that he chose to be irredeemable. Right. Right. He absolutely so. Yeah, it's so that that gets me every time in the book and then Kaladin saying the words where he's like he literally well before he says the words when he has to make that decision to hold on to his bitterness, to light eyes, to hold on to his 
assumptions and presumptions about Light Eyes to hold on to his anger and betrayal of what Light Eyes did to him and his brother and his family in that moment. And he's looking back and Syl is just staring there in horror of what's going on. And he just goes, all right, bridge up, let's go. And he just makes the decision because sometimes, not sometimes, almost every time the honorable decision is always the difficult decision. But it's literally just because you need to live with your own soul. You just do. Like, he could have left. It's always easy to take the easy way out. That sounds also awkward. It's always easy to, you know, just peace out and not do the right thing. Yeah. The right thing is usually the hard thing. Yeah. And he's running back, and Syl is just like, say the words. Say the words. What does he say again, Slama? I will protect those who cannot protect themselves. Yep. Yeah, that's a big moment. And so part of this whole Stormlight Archive journey before destination, strength before weakness, life before death, is seeing these characters in their ethical dilemmas have to grow. And the way that they grow, at least with the main POVs we follow, is choosing to do hard things and take these oaths to become the Knights Radiant, right? Like, each one of them in their different sect is not the right word. Order. They're called orders. Different orders of the Knights Radiant. Each order has their own oaths. And they're both unique to the person, but also they have patterns. And so later books, we see other characters start to make oaths in Kaladin's order. And they're not the same, but they are the same, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. The principles, so. yeah, the principles are the same of the context behind the words, but for that person, because each of these people have different lived experiences. So it's quite unique as opposed to something like a Dragon Ball Z where it's like, all right, he's going Super Saiyan, you know, or whatever, where it's just like, oh, well, when you power up, it looks like this and there's no uniqueness to it, even though we're very different people. It's just like you've hit the over 9000 power level. All right, cool. So, okay. Then Kaladin jumps over the chasm and... Another moment where he's out of Stormlight and he lands. And then Sanderson reminds us that the Parshendi wear gems in their beards, glowing with Stormlight. Yeah, so he's pulling in the Stormlight from their beards and slaughtering the crap out of them. Yeah, just very cool. I also really love that he got a little, he got to shine that chip on his shoulder a little bit when the, when the Honor Guard came down and he was ordering them around a little bit. I mean, he was already frustrated about having to come save them and giving up his freedom. But I think later on in the tent, he was probably going like, yeah, I told him those so's and so's. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Dalinar almost lost his honor in the middle of this fight with the Shardbearer because he wasn't going to go with Kaladin, right? The only thing I really remember is Kaladin had to press Dalinar to go. Yeah. Dalinar is so wrought with battle fatigue in his fight for his life and then when the shard bearer from the parshendi finally shows up which is at the end of the battle after he and adolin are already weak which he doesn't see honor in but the shard bearer comes to fight dalinar before kaladin can get up there and dalinar's just he's getting older he's tired He's been fighting for his life for probably a couple hours. Maybe it's only 30 minutes, but still, it's a lot of exertion. And he's losing. And then he's also partly dazed at this point because of part of the fight. He's realizing, like, oh, I need to get this armor for Renarin and and the blade. we got to finish this fight. And Kaladin's like, nope, we are going to leave because your men won't leave until you leave. So we're going. But Dalinar's so set on, like, this past memory of, oh, hey, I told my son I need to get him a set of these things and I'm the black thorn and I shouldn't be losing this fight. He's discombobulated on what his top priority is at the moment. Right. And almost now I don't know what, I don't think anything would happen necessarily because he doesn't have any sprint or he doesn't have anything following him. But I mean, he certainly would have cost him his honor, right? If he purposely chose to, deal with this Parshendi shard bearer when they were down and out because Kaladin took a couple 
very good shots at them, and Dalinar was going to go for some cheap shots. Even though the 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 Parshendi Shardbearer didn't take cheap shots at Dalinar, Dal Dalinar is now thinking that who's this dark eyes who you know, is different than the dark eyes I know, yeah. right? Or the perceptions I have about dark eyes. Uh huh. Like how can he live by the codes that I esteem as you know the proper way or the higher way of living? You know, I think that that, that that's going on in Dalinar's head. This is unfolding. Yeah, Dalinar has to confront a lot of personal beliefs, both about the Parshendi, because he's realizing he's been slaughtering not just men Parshendi, but children and women as well. And then he fights a Parshendi shardbearer who shows him honor, and he was going to take advantage of the situation to, to, to win. To win. Um, and this... This section of information will become more relevant in book two, where you learn more about Dalinar's past. Right, because you see, from what I read, spoiler-free reading, uh, you you Don't really get to you. see, uh, you really get to see. Um, what'd you say? I said I don't believe you. I, I will show you the YouTube link, and in the title <laughs> it says spoiler-free. So I didn't read; I listened. What the spoiler-free overview said was that you get a different perspective of Dalinar, Dalinar in it, and you get more of his backstory. That's an understatement. Okay. And the old magic. And we'll leave that at that. Anyway, uh, I told Slava, I was like, hey, I realize you just finished The Way of Kings. Don't buy the second book yet. Let's talk about the next things we're going to read through. And he sends me a picture having already bought book two. And I was like, okay, well, I'm apparently a little late on this one. Don't start listening to it yet. Jeez. So what does Slava do instead? He listens to summaries. Spoiler oh free, my but gosh. still summaries. You're everything that's wrong with America. I am everything that is right with America. <laughs> I am America. Well, that's true because immigrants <laughs> built yes. the, the, the nation we live in. Contrary to popular belief. But anyway, so Dalinar and Adolin get down to Bridge 4. Kaladin reins them in, pulls them aside. They escape. Now, we see a lot of honor from the Parshendi not chasing them because, honestly, they were sitting ducks. The Parshendi can jump chasms. They can certainly outnumber them. The Parshendi showed honor. Yeah, and I think the Parshendi, I'm, I'm guessing now, but I think the Prashendi saw the betrayal, saw that Dalinar was being left alone. And they're not going to be like, oh, well, wow, one of you guys is leaving? Well, we'll stop fighting now. But then they saw Kaladin come and these bridgemen come to save Dalinar. And by that time, as Dalinar and the bridgemen and his personal guard and the men of his, ar of his army are leaving, the Prashendi probably, that's when they chose to show honor because well, what are you going to do? You're going to chase down your enemy and slaughter them, you know, by stabbing them in the backs. That's not how, it's not how, well, sometimes it is how it's work. It is how it works because people, that's what they do. But, uh, you know, the more the story unfolds and we're here at the last chapters, the more we as readers are shown that these guys aren't, you know, mindless barbarians. Yeah. So it's another underscore almost, if you will, of that, that point that Sanderson is making that these guys, there's more to these guys than meets the eye, because what, how do we see them? We only see them through Alethi eyes, right? But then we're yep. given Kaladin's view of them. It's still Kaladin's POV, and it's still Dalinar's POV. But through the eyes of these two characters, we see that there's more to the Prashendi. Do you think that he's going to unpack that more in the next few books? Well, I hope so, because for my spoiler-free reading, I'm going to keep emphasizing oh, that. Oh, boy. There's different kinds of Parshendi, right? There are the Parshmen, there are the Parshendi, and there are others that are of the same people groups, if you will. I don't know how they and, can call this spoiler-free when you have so much information. Well, 
again, remember the conversation we had about. Oh, I know. Like this, for, I know. And this isn't a book. This isn't a spoiler-free reading or spoiler-full reading. This is in chapter seventy that we find this out that I unpack this out of. Uh, but part of part of it was from part of it was from the captured in words plug to that guy. Just Google way of king summary. He'll be like the first or second one that comes up. Young kid with a chip on his shoulder the size of a boulder. This kid or it's no. a question. But yeah, this kid. No, I don't think so. None of that I got from any of his videos. All right, carry on. Yeah. So either from him, but also from chapter seventy seventy one. That's where I unpacked the types of prescending. There's more to to them than not only means the eye from the POV of Calvin yeah. and Dalinar, but what Shalon finds out and it blows her little redhead mind. Yeah. So that, yeah, yeah. which all we'll right. talk about next episode. Next episode. But all that yeah. really now the reader should be prepared. That's why I said this is a good pre- preparation stage setting, if you will, yeah, for the next book, because the reader should expect to learn more about the Prashendi now. Of course, to answer your question more directly yeah. now, yeah, yeah we're going to learn more about the Prashendi, and because, well, what else happens with Dalinar? Like, yeah, we get his backstory probably, but he has to grow further. Like, he's now, you know, no longer the politician. He's Blackthorn again, which means he might kill a few more Prashendi. Just, so we're going uh, to have to learn two. more about him. One or yeah, two. Yeah, at least, at least five. Uh, so we need <laughs> we need to learn more about them somehow. It can't be another eleven hundred pages before Shalon and Yasta find out or tell us to their POV another little tidbit about the Prashendi. So I think I think we're gonna learn some stuff about them. Words of radiance. More detail. We get more detail. we get a lot more POV with Shalon in Words of Radiance. You get a lot more of her backstory, a lot more about her family, a lot more about her her. A lot more about her. There's, I can't about her uh, murdering her father. I'll cut that. Maybe yeah, you can that's revealed in the next chapter. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> spoiling anything. Remember when the music came on and you heard Jonathan say, "This episode is spoiler heavy." Uh, there we go. That's, that's what happens. It's yeah. True. So anyway, back to uh, Sadius back to, in back the to in the war camps, Sadius, telling Navani and Renarin that Dalinar Dude. is dead. Dude, this was. I was listening to this as I was working out, and I think I got like a te- ten extra reps in just because of the like. I was like, what "The heck is going on? What a piece of garbage!" Sadius is a, dude. is garbage is kind. Sadius is the scum of the earth. Yeah, this is a scummy thing. This is. And you want to know what? This isn't even the worst bad guy in the whole series. Oh, Roshar is worse. We're not Roshar. Uh, what's his face? Roshar is the planet and the con- the guy and, who sends the- Tien into war. Oh, Roshon. Yeah, it sounds the same though. Sounds the same. Yeah. So Navani accuses Sadius to his face that something's not right here. Yeah. Sadius and he armor... gets a bit. He he gets all you know, <laughs> all wimpy and weepy. Yeah. Well, not weepy maybe, but uh, there's a word that I recently heard that would describe what Sadia, how Sadius acts. Um, and it's kind of it kind of sounds like weepy, but it's not. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I, I'm off Willowy? track. Willowy. No, it doesn't matter. I'll think of it and whatever. You'll splice it in later. It'll just I'll be splice like, it in later. It'll just be, you know. You know the Parshendi. Insert word. Yeah. Back yeah. to the Parshendi. Weird right. cut. Weird yeah. cut, bro. So then yeah. Navani's like, yeah, she's not even in a tizzy. She's in a whatever is just before blind rage. Right. Because she, she's composed, right? It's the cold, stoic knowing that you have a fire burning within you that if you yes. do something wrong, you're going to kill someone in front of a large group of people. Right. And so when she accuses Sadius to his face, that's where he gets, insert word here. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Don't cut that. Just. <laughs> I won't. No, that was the joke. I was actually making a joke. I'm not going to. I'm not gonna insert any words. What, you think you're a funny guy? You think you're like the I'm machine? I'm a funny guy. I'm like a. I'm not like the machine. <laughs> you could have been. I am more like Segura. If we're gonna compare me to the two bears, I think I find myself when I'm free and not recording kid-free episodes of uh, the way of things. <laughs> I'm more. I'm more like Tom Segura in my humor. If you can, if you can uh, somehow meld Norm Macdonald, dry, just insanely dry, silly humor. 
and then with the cadence of Tom Segura, that would be me as a stand-up comic. But anyway, whatever Sadius is feeling now, he gets taken aback, like whatever the right word for it is. Navani's stance and her direct confrontation kind of takes him aback. He's no longer, you know, in charge of the situation. No. No, because because he knows. Because no matter how big of a scumbag you are, at some point, whether it's in front of Navani or whatever Navani is in your world and in your context, or late at night as you're going to bed, like, unless you're a complete, utter clinical sociopath, all scumbags some at some time in their lives realize that they're scumbags and feel a little bad about it. Doesn't excuse any of it. Right. It's not like all right. of a sudden, that's that's not even redeemable. It's not you're not redeemed just because you realize you're a piece of garbage. <laughs> so that's not the redeeming part. Like you have to there's more steps to it. Uh-oh. But yeah, but anyway, Sadius Sadius is it's is put in a corner a little bit. Um it's at least inside his own mind, right? Because he he he's taken aback by how confident Navani is in her assertion. Oh, yeah, the guilt is all over him. Yeah, because he can't even say, like, oh, silly woman, you're just upset about your brother slash boyfriend, you know, slash whatever you're doing with him now, uh, being dead. He can't even play that card because she just comes out, (laughs) you know, right right to the throat, (laughs) right right in the jugular. She's like a solid white, uh, white spine, just... Full rage, full tilt. I like it. And then Dalinar strolls up. Gallivants into the... Oh, that moment is just like, come on. How does Sadius feel right now where he's like, I saw them tear him limb from limb. And And then suddenly, the man himself, Blackthorn, walks in. Woof. Man, to quote you, yeah, yeah. I'm not one to shard my shard plate, but I'll tell you, there are some shards in that shard plate. <laughs> uh, yeah. gonna have to give it the extra wax and clean this time. Yeah. <laughs> Woof. Woof, indeed, man. Yeah, and you can cut. That's a good moment. Yeah. Oh, so good. And it was sorry we skipped over Navani. Um, in her brain. Blind rage, yeah. Not blind rage, but whatever, you know, emotional. More calm rage. Yeah, yeah. She's still mad. She's not like, the rage hasn't gone away, but she's, she, I think she realizes that if she throws punches, Sadius is right now. Sadius, I'm going to I'm gonna mispronounce all the names. Like, people are going to be so mad. Uh, if she throws punches Sadius right now, it's not going to bring any any resolution to the situation. No. And it might get her in trouble. She needs to now do a little politicking, if you will. And I think oh, being she's around the too. royal court, she knows. And she this is even written, and not in so many words, yeah. that being around the royal court, she has learned all those chess moves, you know, so to speak, or the need for politicking at certain times. So she said what she had to say. She doesn't want to overstep any, I don't want to say boundaries, but maybe that's the right word anyway. She doesn't want to overstep anything that gets her into trouble. Yeah, no public I think she, Right. She wants to probably, she wants to take revenge, I'm assuming, or somehow, whatever. Let's just go with revenge. Come up Forget everything else. Yeah. She wants to, yes. She wants justice. Let's go even better than revenge. That's she the name of the, for, that's the, name for, of the chapter. Yeah. Yeah. For um, for Dalinar and throat punching Sadius won't, no, won't bring no, that no. about. Yeah, sometimes you got to play the long game. Yeah, there's a, to quote another author that we've read, but you haven't read this book yet. There are three things that all wise men fear: the sea and storm, a night with no moon, and the anger of a gentle man. Oh, you've shared this with me. This is from a uh, Rutfuss, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the wise man's fear. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. The you know, gentle, the anger of a gentleman, the anger of a gentlewoman, like someone that you know is just super chill, and then you do something, and they go full tilt, get out the way, and hope that you aren't the cause, because right. they're yeah. not going to stop. Right, and I think what's key there, that that losing of their proverbial 
you know, crap or that going full tilt, let let not the listener be mistaken that that's just pent up anger that is, you know, boiling over. The really quiet, chill people like that are really quiet and chill. And there's a lot of things that rolls off their back. And there's a lot of things that they don't take seriously or don't put stock in or don't see as necessary of their react of their reaction. And granted, you know, there's always a buildup to anger, no matter how chill you are, no matter you're prone to anger, whether you're quick to anger, slow to anger, there's always a buildup to a certain thing. But it's not all just that in these situations. I think there's certain things that just set people off, like these kind of people off, those certain things. And they're not trivial. Like this is the death of your, sure, he was your brother-in-law, and maybe you can still consider him a brother. This is family. But now this is somebody (laughs) who is a love interest. This is somebody who you are not only find kinship with, but you are in love with, apparently. And this dude that you never trusted clearly had him killed. Yep. Yep. Because you don't know he's writing in with a thousand bridgemen, or well, not a thousand bridgemen yet, but you don't know that he's riding in with, you know, 4,000 soldiers and, you know, 24 really tired bridgemen. You don't know that at this point if you're Navani. Correct. But anyway, my, my, my point stands. I don't want to belabor it. That, that is it. I mean, this, we, I mean, that's the whole podcast. We belabor everything. That's what yes. side quests are. But, but at some point you have to, you have to get back to the mission. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's a, I was trying to find it. There's a really beautiful image of Navani lighting the prayer for justice on the ground. I'll have to probably find it and send it to you later, but send it to me because I'll make it very cool. The episode art for uh, Instagram. I will look for it. Yeah. By the way, we have, uh, we have an Instagram account and you should oh, yeah. follow us. We have a couple. We have a TikTok also that I have been terrible. I I, I posted nothing, so but don't we go have follow it. us there. Well, you should still I'm... follow us there because we we're gonna get to it. But we're just yeah two guys diddling around full time jobs. But uh, for this episode, I'll drop the the handle for the Instagram in the description notes. That sounds great, man. I. Really want to find this. That's not it, though. Anyway, I'll have to find it later. So, the it's getting pretty thick, double C's, between Sadius and Dalinar. And Dalinar walks up. Well, first he has to tell Adolin, don't draw your shard blade. Yes. Which is a really reason, wise... Yeah. yeah. A really wise... I mean, you read this chapter, and you can cut the thickness of the tension between the two of them and their armies, one guy draws a blade. That's it. This whole city is being torn to shreds. That's it. It's done. Yep. Now, Dalinar can't make the move because he's already lost. Sadie's had him bring all of his men, and he lost most of them. So, yeah, it's, it's tough. But what were you thinking... How's he going to resolve this moment? Well, what I was thinking, and I was right, that there's going to be no fight, and he is going to somehow, in his own way, and the only way Dalinar knows how, he's going to confront Sadius, and gently is the wrong word, subtly maybe a little bit, again, the way Dalinar knows how, put him in his place, tell him, like, without telling him, that he's aware of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And in the in their exchange, you get even more of the scumbaggery that Sadius is capable of. So much. And fully willing to partake in and extend. Wow. So, yeah, that. And then you have this moment... Because Kaladin's just standing there like, well, now we're going to be beaten, flogged, and sent back to the bridge crews because Light Eyes can't be trusted, and why the frick did I do this? However, old Blackthorn draws his shard blade, 
Kaladin turns away. Well, first he bl- he tries to buy the Bridgemen for an exorbitant amount of money. He does. Like for months' worth of salaries, right? The cost of a city, basically. Like, what yeah. is what is your city cost? You just take a guess. What is your city cost, Slava? Like, my, uh, my city? Pretty small town. So maybe 100, 100 some million. million. Yeah, yeah, 100 million. My city would cost, we have some billionaires here, so if you filter them out in sort of a fractional removal equation, my city would roughly cost probably a billion dollars. So, you know, you buy you buy the, the cost of a full bridge crew, it's supposed to be a couple couple emerald bromes, and he offers them like a thousand emerald bromes, which is top dollar. Outrageous. Yeah. And then after Sadius refuses because he wants, you know To prove to a make point. an example. To yeah. prove a point, make an example of the bridge crew. Because the they kinda wagon. screwed up yeah, he kinda screwed they screwed up his uh grand plan, grand scheme, and that's when Dalinar offers his Sharblade for all of the bridgemen. Not just Dal Kaladin's crew, but all thousand and yep. some odd uh, change pun intended, of the <laughs> of the bridgeman, he offers a shard blade, and Sadius, being the douche nozzle that he is, of yep. course, at this point, he's going to take it, even because his beady little eyes, like, glow l- like emeralds when he sees that he's shard blade being put. for a shard blade for years. Right, and all he has to give up is people that are... He doesn't even wor- like. He doesn't even like, he doesn't even forget like. They're worse. They're worth. Yeah, they're they're like dogs. In, in they're like dogs. They're not even worth. Yeah, you know, in India, that they're like criminals right. of the society. Yeah, right. So, yeah. So as this is happening, I think I think this is where he turns around, Kaladin, and he sees this happening and paradigm shift again. Right? Well, not not a shift, but paradigm uh, shifted. Like I guess shift is still the right word. Uh, you know, Kaladin's paradigm is shifted because he's like, oh, wow, this Light Eyes is honorable. And what has been said about him in the previous weeks that I learned, that those things are true. The rumors about this Light Eyes are true. Yeah, he slams his sword in the ground. Dalinar does Oathbringer. Side quest, that's the name of the third book. Yeah, oh, I bought quest. that too. Yeah, I know. Uh, I didn't read it yet. Well, that's good. You shouldn't read or, that before. Nor have to... I listened to any spoiler-free summaries. Get Get... <laughs> All right. So, yeah, Dalinar slams his sword in the ground, walks away, makes sure that Sadius agrees to the deal. Yeah. That's a really important part of this. And then he goes up to Kaladin and... They're like walking away, and he goes, "What's a man's life worth?" Dalinar asked softly. Slave masters say one is worth two emerald bromes. Kaladin said, frowning. And what do you say? A life is priceless, he said immediately, quoting his father. Dalinar smiled, wrinkled lines extending from the corners of his eyes. Coincidentally, that's the exact value of a shard blade. So today, you and your men sacrificed to buy me 2,600 priceless lives. And all I had to repay you with was a single priceless sword. I call that a bargain. Good line. You oh, you really think it was a good price, don't you? Kaladin said amazed. Dalinar smiled in a way that seemed strikingly paternal. For my honor? Unquestioningly. Good stuff. This is why... Really good stuff. It's so good. This is why I... I ask women that I date to read this book because there are things about who, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, there are things about who I want to be as a person that are reflected in the way that these men choose to live their lives. So if you ask women to read this book for that reason, what is the reason that you've asked me to read this book? I I didn't want to break it to you this early, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's just a scheme to <laughs> to date Slava. Uh, this whole podcast was a ruse. <laughs> I I figure your wife has stopped listening because she has better things to do. But you know, if she yeah, does she catch has. us, 
she she as has soon stopped. as I yeah as soon as I told her like <laughs> well I think I told her I'm like hey you know don't feel pressure to listen but please do for you know at least the beginning like couple of months of us doing this because we want your feedback then she's like okay great and then I I haven't got any feedback <laughs> after episode five yeah. Yeah. Well, Although her feedback was good. No, it was. It was we, yeah, it was valuable. Part of it. But anyway, sorry. Like, I, part I, of it too I, is that you got better equipment, so there's less, at least quality wise, there's less yeah. issues that need feedback, and it's it's just content at this point. But yeah. um, no, I I like this book because anybody, you know, there's things about us as humans that we, it's hard to convey, and even even mm-hmm. you and I, we got you know over a decade of friendship. Maybe two. I don't remember how math works. Um, yeah, it's close to two, but not really two. Like uh, probably three or four years shy of two. Yeah, that sounds about right. But it's like even with that, you know, you can do life together, and unless you're in the same city dealing with the same nonsense, you, there are just parts of your personality that just aren't going to come out because the scenario hasn't presented itself. Absolutely. And you know this is why it's it's good to share music it's good to share books it's good to share movies and things because there's and i like to put caveat uh caveats isn't the right word i like to put um personality sticky notes with them where it's like hey i really love this book because i believe that it reflects part of my personality right and then they read it and they go okay are you like a a girl who killed her father like i'm just like who are you like a diehard scholar i get it and even if we were in the same city, as you said, doing life together, whatever that means, and I know what you mean by it, I'm not, but you know, because it means different things to different people, right? But even if that was the case, it's there's still meaning. It's meaningful to share music, to share books and literature and games and nights out and axe throwing and insert activity here because that's frankly how friendships work if we could you know yeah. borrow from our introduction like how how do how do conversations work well the way we're doing it little with side quests and lols and all the other good stuff right like so this is how it works and the, that's the same principle for friendships whether you're what five six states away from me or whether we live in the same city like if we live in the same city but interacted a quarter of what we do by being separated by the 800 miles or whatever that separates us, 1,100 miles, we'd be worse of friends. By worse meaning less close. Mm. But because we have a constant connection, and thank God for, you know, internet and WhatsApp, we are able to remain friends irrespective of the distance because we do share things. Yeah, 100%. And by things, I mean a lot of stuff, not just this podcast, not just books, but, you know, I don't want to list it off here. You know, just for, for I don't believe you have podcast. a real list, but all right. <laughs> well, no, definitely not real. Um, it's all it's all in my head, and maybe in my Apple Notes. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but that's how that's how these things work. And obviously, it's a lot easier if you have certain you know certain kind of characteristics that are the same, and certain tastes that are the same. But at the end of the day, even if I hated fantasy absolutely just didn't care for it but as a friend decided to read this book just for that alone this is a big ask though for a lot of people it is but 50 hours of your time yeah absolutely it is but let's just say me personally slava like even if i hated it like the, the the genre but you asked me me slava probably would still do it irrespective of our project that is kind of you know, another reason why I'm doing it, not just because I'm a friend. And I think that, and I'll end with this because I think we've, we've went off the rails a, a bit or off, off the, off the quest a, a bit is that's how relationships work. Like it doesn't have to be friends, best friends, sort of friends, acquaintances. It could be the guy in the cubicle next to you. There are certain things when you do a little bit extra and when you participate in what we've called doing life or you participate in activities together, you grow closer. There are people that I worked with that I was really close with at work because not only because of the work, but we participate in activities outside of work because we spend eight hours a day together. So yeah. you get to know each other. 
But once I left the company, that relationship kind of fizzled, and that's okay. Or maybe it's not. That's a separate conversation. My point is, my, my point is, at its heart, that's how relationships work. Uh, the, the nucleus of them is exactly what y- you said, prompting me on this, prompting me to go on this little rant to agree with you. It's true. It's very yeah. true. Well, uh, let's land this plane because next time is episode nine. We're going to finish the book, and then I'm hoping to pull off episode ten. Secret project number episode 10. Yeah. Well, next, dude, next episode, I have I have a lot to say about my girl, Shalon. I'm very, very proud of, of her. I'll even let it slide that she's walking around in her nightie with her safe hand showing because she, again. Scandalous. Scandalous. She, again, proves, uh, did I just say nighty? Oh, gosh, what a, what a boomer. I'm gonna, I was going to let it slide. I don't know why I even said I just noticed, like, that's an awkward thing to say. Like, she's walking around her, like, nightgown or whatever, un- or undergarments with her Her hand, shard gown? Her shard gown and her safe <laughs> hand exposed. Shard gown? So, the joke still stands. <laughs> yeah, shard gown. <laughs> yeah. The joke still stands. I'll let, I'll let that slide because, dude, Shalon does some cool things in 70 to 75. I think Navani proves to be more interesting of a character, more complex of a character than we got to see. It's great to see both Kaladin and Dalinar grow as characters because okay. maybe, maybe this was the avalanche. Maybe this was the Sanderlanche. We, we saw you know, just these little arcs maybe in the, in the whole scheme of the Cosmere, the whole scheme of the, these. It's not even a trilogy anymore. It's what, four or five books? So in the course of these books, maybe they're small arcs. Two five-book arcs. Yeah. In this book, like, that's a pretty big thing that, that, that they went through, both of them. You know. You didn't even talk about Syl at all. Well, well, Syl, Syl is Syl. I mean, we didn't talk about her. And the only really... You found out what she is, though. She, She's still a spren, but what kind of spren? Honor spren. Honor spren. There you go. Actually, that's pretty big. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> Listen, even an episode or two ago, I was like, I wonder why Syl is attached to Kaladin. She's oh, not go. a spren. Are you sure? No. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's now on the internet forever, my ramblings about Syl. All right, your final notes. What do you think is going on in the Cosmere as a whole? The desolation. Well, that's, in, that's on Roshar specifically. Yeah. The gods are fighting. There's cosmic battles, cosmic shifts. I'm trying not to be. Why? I'm not trying anything, actually. I don't know enough to, to make a. To Correct. Say you more don't. Detailed. And that's why I want your opinion on it. Because I want to know. And, and it's important for you to share your opinion on this because you only get to. And I told you this before. You only get a first read through once. And so you only get your first assumptions once. Yeah. So yeah. So I think then I think then there's cosmic battles. I think the deities are are at odds. I don't want maybe war is too much, but the, the, there is something okay cosmic going on. Okay, I'll, I'll say why that. Why do you need world hoppers? Well, not need, but why are there world hoppers? Okay. Well, let me let me um let me ramble through this a little bit. Take a little side quest, please, please. So in this world, in this universe that we know as the Cosmere, there are many worlds. And some people, I assume, don't know that other worlds exist, right? Did Tian know that? Yeah, I think that's super fair. You know, Kaladin doesn't really know that other worlds exist. Rock does. Does Teft? No, yeah, probably not. Does Elokar? No. No. Did Gavilar? Probably. Probably. Because, because of his studies, I would say that. So why do we need world hoppers? That's that's kind of a strange question. Why are there world hoppers? Yeah, I, I misphrased it on the front end. Like why? Yeah, yeah. Because no, no, I don't no, think that's... we actually know, even if you scour the wikis, yeah. as like a need. Like I don't know if they, I don't know if they yeah. need them. But why are yeah. there? Because there are people who have accessed maybe forbidden knowledge, or maybe it's not that forbidden. Maybe it's just knowledge, esoteric knowledge, like just known by a few. Maybe they've accessed this knowledge, and because of how the Cosmere is set up and the kind of maybe the divine cosmic attributes or characteristics of the Cosmere, 
allows these world hoppers and these people have accessed this knowledge and either for selfish gain or for honorable gain decided to world hop whether to explore or find more spheres find girls rob steal pillage whatever you know yep those are words that you have said and things is the connection bad no no i'm just you went off on a weird side tangent um that made me think of this character named wayne from Mistborn Era 2, and I really... I'm going to be a little upset if you don't like Wayne, because he's just... He's like Wit so, on steroids. Well, then we're going to like him just fine. And it's a Western set in the Cosmere. Okay. Well, we'll get there. <laughs> um, I don't see why I would hate that kind of character. Uh, well, you dislike... Well, dislike isn't the right word. You You don't hold the same pause and appreciation for some of the stuff that I point out. So, well, yeah, and and that might be because it's my first read and you are looking at it as maybe a more well-versed Cosmerian, as you've called uh, these mm-hmm. folks and yourself and us now. I'm reading this for one the first time. Us. One of us. One of us. <laughs> it's like Russia all over again. Yeah. Just call me Karl Marx. All right, Karl. Or Marky Marx. Marky Marx? Oh, <laughs> kidding what was i saying oh yeah well that's the the one reason because we you know you're more versed i'm less versed in the cosmere so we're coming at it with different perspectives because of that and we're coming at it from different perspectives because we're two different people take uh siri and vivina like we i just gravitated towards siri throughout the whole book i find shallan if we're talking about just just talking about female uh, characters, uh, I find Shalon compelling. Not so much Yasna, although I like her character and I want to follow her character. And compelling meaning, like, if I'm comparing the two right, equally, right, right. apples to apples, Shalon Which is one do I want to know to more me. about? Right. Right. And if we're talking about male characters, I like Wit, who is Hoyd. I, Kaladin and Dalinar, I understand the, the honor, like, they're honorable characters. You want to see them grow. But for me... I uh, also want to see Zeth, as much as I don't like him as a character, maybe. I kind of want to see his backstory, right? So there's this tension there, right? And both of us, they're they're kind of competing likes and dislikes, but they're really not. But then in the going war, to Warbreaker, I really like the the king who dies, who sacrifices himself. Lights on. Spoiler off. alert. Yeah. Just because of his kind of laissez-faire attitude and, and his sarcasm and so i liked him for that but i also like vasher but for different reasons but if i i was going to put a vasher and that that king next to each other and you would say who do you want to read a book about i'd be like probably the king and maybe and maybe vasher is the second book right that just because again how does the russian say like for uh for um Colors and taste, there are no friends or something, whatever it is. So, different ways of looking at it. <laughs> and uh, I can understand you song. and I appreciate Right, right. I can understand you as a friend, being, being your friend. I can understand you with Jonathan, what makes you tick, and understand why you like Galinar. And still like Galinar, wow. Still like Dalinar, and, but not like him as much as you. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, I mean? no, that's, yeah, that's fair. I, uh, I like this moment from Light Song where he's like, Scoot, I don't believe in prophecy. I don't believe in the the things that I see are are prophecies waiting to be foretold. And then Scoot is just like sketching down everything that has just been said as if it's scripture. Just yep. the sheer irony. I just yep. oh man. And I like that he called him Scoot. His name's not <laughs> Scoot. His name is like something Lalaramar. Yeah, yeah. Something more. <laughs> I'm gonna call you Scoot. Oh, man, we should do yeah. a reread on that over a weekend or something and then do, like, two episodes on it or something. Yeah, well, I, our publication uh, calendar, I've created it, mm-hmm. and I think I dropped it in there. Yeah, I just, I'm working long hours. I haven't looked no, at yeah, it No, you're fine. I'm just saying it's 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 already on the schedule. Do you guys want to look at it? Should we show it to you? Well, you'll have to interact with us. One of yeah. us bites. I'll let you decide who that is. Yeah. It's not the, not the Ukrainian. 
Russian, Estonian. I'm from all over the place. Hmm. I am a man. I am the six million dollar man. That's not from true. Europe. No, maybe like two and a half. Oh, wow. <laughs> so like, I just have like a bionic arm, and that's it. So they stopped there. No, you <laughs> bought the blueprints, but couldn't afford the rest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's even better. So that's that's very existential Russian dread type, like where yeah. the you know, or kind of O. Henry, you know that 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 author. If you ever heard of him, so one of the stories that kind of stuck with me since I was a kid was that O. Henry story where there's a poor wife and husband. They're trying to buy birthday presents for each other or anniversary presents for each other. So she has beautiful hair, so she sells her hair. Yeah. So she shares, sells her hair to buy him a lo- uh, a watch uh, chain. Yeah, oh, is case. it a chain? Or yeah. something like that, yeah. yeah. And he sells the watch to buy her like a like a, like a a tiara or a, like a hair thing, and then they're like left with the, you know, two worthless gifts. Well, she, her hair will grow back. So yes. who really lost in this one? Yeah. They both the did because they were poor. Anyway. Yes. Good. Uh, <laughs> very, very uh, Dostoevskian of you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, well, that's all we have for today. We want to know your thoughts. We want you to comment on the episodes. We want you to tell us who's funnier. It's me. And um, Looks have nothing to do with it. That's true. I mean, that's what my parents always told me. <laughs> <laughs> And we wonder why Jonathan does the things he does. No, we don't. I don't. But that's because I'm doing them, and I'm just here for the lulls. It, look, yeah. life is full of suffering. I want to laugh a lot. So, yeah. If I was a knight in King Arthur's court, I would be laugh a lot. <laughs> Sir, <laughs> laugh. Sir makes a lot. Sir laughs a lot. Sir laughs a lot. Okay. Well, on that note, good people. Goodbye. <laughs>